the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, a new live local show on K-Praise designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Hey, hey, hey. How you doing, my friends? Kaz here. Come Together San Diego and welcome to... Perhaps one of the most enticing, exciting, and interesting two hours that we've done on Come Together San Diego. I know it's right in the midst of this coronavirus thing, but I think uh, on purpose this will be a, a note of encouragement to you as you listen through. Uh, you know, Scripture says that it is the glory of God to conceal a matter and the honor of kings to find it out. And guess what? You read in the book of Revelation and elsewhere that we are kings and priests. Uh, unto God. So it's our privilege to excavate God's word and uh, see what comes to bear. And you know, what oftentimes happens is these excavations are actually more vital the closer to the Lord's return. And we're going to do that not only in the spiritual, but today we're going to do that in the spiritual and in the natural because of my guest for the entire two hours. You will love the guy. His name is Jim Barfield. Copper Scroll Project Director. And Jim, I've been looking forward to our time together, and uh, I know our listeners would, are going to love uh, excavating you while you excavate Scripture. Good to have you, Jim. Well, thank you very much. It's great to be here. I, I enjoyed our last get-together, and I'm, I'm sure I'll enjoy this one. That's right. And my listening friend, if Jim enjoys it, <laughs> you're going to enjoy it. Hey, say, Jim, let's, let's start. We've got two hours, actually— 88 minutes because of commercial breaks, but we've got this entire time to talk about what God is doing in Israel, what God is doing underground, and what he's doing on the surface, and we're going to talk in the natural and in the spiritual as well. But before we do, and uh, before we actually introduce the Copper Scrolls, the Copper, the Copper Scroll perspective, which is really tied to the the cave, uh, the Qumran cave and the, the caves and and the excavations there was that the like the 1950s originally the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls, Jim. Yeah, 1947 is when they began to find the scrolls, and it uh, it actually a few years ago they found the last fragment, and but it was only a fragment, and I don't believe they found any writing on it yet. Yes, yes. But, so we're gonna we're gonna be excavating uh, uh, in our conversation today, but before we do, I want to give our friends that are listening, the, uh, the the overview of who the wonderful guy named Jim Barfield is. Now, y- you had an opportunity to do some uh, investigative work on this Copper Scroll, which is really uh, has something to relate to some of the, you know, the Book of Isaiah and other artifacts found there, but uh, it's completely different as well. We'll dig more deeply into that, but first give an overview of, of really a, a broad brushstroke stroke of uh, Jim Barfield. Lay it on us, Jim. Okay. Well, I'm, I actually, uh, I've got no training in archaeology, got no training in 
anthropology. Uh, in other words, I am not an archaeologist. I am a guy that uh, loves biblical study, and my field of expertise uh, at the end of my uh, at the end of my career, I was a uh, an assistant fire marshal, and I was an investigator, arson investigator. But uh, I I really I really learned how to do investigation through my biblical research. That that is actually what helped me earn. Uh, firefighter of the year for Oklahoma or investigator of the year for Oklahoma and international uh, investigator of the year. So that's where my expertise comes in. They, I think the, the fire department helped me learn how to do the, the, uh, the reports. That was the biggest thing I learned from them. But investigation is if you, if you want to really find out something, you can't limit yourself. And that's one of the things I've learned about it. Uh, from from my Bible study. Yes. But uh, I began my professional career uh, when I was 14 years old. I began washing dishes <laughs> at a local restaurant in Oklahoma and uh, washed dishes. I was an assistant chef. I was the, uh, I went from there to the Army, spent uh, 10, almost 10 and a half years in the military. I was artillery. I was uh, uh, I was a uh, crew chief for helicopters for General Odd, General Merritt, General Keith, and then I went into aviation, became a pilot, flew for the 6th Cav Brigade at Fort Hood, Texas, of a, uh, a Charlie 7th of the 17th, Sea Troop 7th of the 17th, and loved it, absolutely loved my military career. Luckily, I, I got in right after the uh, Vietnam War, and I got out just before Lebanon got attacked. Oh, my, my. Uh, yeah, I just missed the combat uh, portion of it. I was in combat arms the entire time. Wow. But I never I never saw combat. I got rockets exploded around me, and I got shot at by a uh, one of the Cobra helicopters. At the time, it was Cobra helicopters. And uh, it was an accident, but uh, it's still just as scary. Uh, oh, yes. Exactly. It got my attention, but my professional career was not doing this type of thing. But guys, I have uh, figured out one of the most important scrolls. Uh, I, I would say the most important scroll at this time. Now, once Messiah comes, the other scrolls are really going to kick into high gear and how important they are. And we'll talk more about that in a sure. minute. But that's basically who I am is uh, and what I've done. Uh, with uh, in a very short rundown on my personal life. Well, Jim, one of the things that I I observe, and this is how God really works. You know, there are people that have, have you know a lot of letters behind their name, the doctorates, and all these different PhDs and all these things. You know, uh, we're seeing this in, in in today the coronavirus. There are a lot of people that have medical sense or research sense, but they don't they can't really necessarily apply it well to real life. And uh, when you get somebody who understands and appreciates those things to some degree, but also can apply it to real life needs, it sounds like uh, uh, that person will rise to the occasion. And don't you think, as a as a Christian, as you look back at other Christians, not only in Scripture, but would you say that God tends to like the people that uh, go to the grassroots, i.e. a guy named King David? And I, I see a lot of King David's characteristics with you just— going through life, having these disciplines that all of a sudden, as you excavate uh, 
Scripture and you start to excavate the truths in this uh, the, this uh, document, the, uh, the the copper scroll, all of a sudden things come into play from your skill set that other people go, how did you get there? Want to talk just a little bit about that before we jump on in? Yeah, you know, in, in our, our book, uh, it's called The Copper Scroll Project, written by Shelly Nice. She quoted, uh, and I don't remember the guy's name, but he was a, was a, um, a scholar, and he said he thought that the only way this copper scroll was going to be figured out, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, is by a guy that thinks outside the box. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. I, I just took the, the information on the copper scroll, and my, laughs, my wife laughs about this every time I talk about it, is I follow the directions. <laughs> she says, and like, she probably says, why don't you follow my directions? <laughs> yeah, really, I don't like, I don't, I, if I'm putting together a swing set or a, an engine, I usually don't follow any of the instructions. I just, you know, I look in there for the torque values and all that that I need, but I just do it on my own. <laughs> but this time I really did. I, I followed the instructions. I listened to what the, the, the uh, document was saying, <laughs> and it worked out incredibly well. Yes, yes. So let's take a look here. You, uh, the other discoveries, the antiquities and things that were found at uh, in the caves of Qumran, um, were, a lot of them were just actually parchments and things like that, which were very, very fragile. And of course, the copper scroll, which was found there as well, was fragile, but in a different way. So when 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 the the the, the what do you call them, the, the people that were digging into the antiquities and things like that, when they began to qualify and quantify these items, they didn't even know how to uh, approach this copper scroll. It was so different from the other elements there. So how did it come to pass that you got handed that baton, Jim? Well, I, officially, I never got handed anything. <laughs> uh, what happened was uh, they they it uh, they found it in 1952, uh, in in cave three, I believe, and they they couldn't open it. I mean, it, it was such a fragile. I mean, it's literally made out of copper. It's about seven feet long and about one foot wide, uh, and they couldn't unroll it. There were actually two scrolls, but it, they they were supposed to have been one. Um, they the, in antiquity, whoever put this thing together, and I believe I know who it was riveted, literally drilled holes in it and riveted three sheets uh, about um, two and a half feet long, riveted them together. And as they were trying to roll them up, one of them snapped, and which obviously created two scrolls. It's really not the copper scrolls. It's the copper scroll, period. Yes. And they, uh, how I got involved is there was a gentleman by the name of Bendel Jones in Texas, um, I was asked to go visit with him, and he was very kind. He, he and his wife were very sweet. They invited us down, and I sat and talked with him all weekend long. Had a really wonderful time, and he began to tell me about the Copper Scroll. At the time, I had no interest in it. It was just a treasure map. Yes. And I I wanted the spiritual, the prophetic. I wanted you know, biblically oriented. He told me, he said, Jimmy, this scroll has got more prophecy in it than all of the rest of them put together. Take a pause here, Jim, because take a pause because I need to take a commercial break. <clears throat> but this really sets the stage for really d- jumping into this. And But I, here, here's what I want to do with our listening friends as we get pre- prepared to take a break here. 
do you do you hear how Jim is explaining how God put him in an environment where he was equipped, but the world may not have thought he was equipped. God is doing that with YOU in a different way right now. You've got some skill sets, like little King David uh, watching out for the sheep, and God's going to be calling on you to do things, and it's going to break the mold, as Jim says, out of the box. And so in the remainder of this two-hour show, we're going to talk about what that looks like for uh, the— uh, copper scroll and the copper scroll project but we're going to dig into some of the things that were discovered or are being discovered and relate that to you and some of the things that god wants you to discover uh, as well as different ways of doing things so jim are you game to spend uh, up until the two hours like seven o'clock uh, west coast time with me and let's excavate are you willing to do that Absolutely. I love that. <laughs> I knew that answer, my listening friend, <laughs> when Jim Barfield and I come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor, FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. And I am back with Jim Barfield, the director of the Copper Scroll Project. And we're just, you know, just like uh, when you're excavating a site or when you're excavating the word, you have to get past the surface stuff into the deep stuff before you realize the full gravity of the situation. And what God wants to do right now is we excavate this topic of the Copper Scroll Project you're going to begin to realize the depth that is beneath the surface here. <laughs> and Jim Barfield has begun telling the story about the excavations uh, and the discovery of the Copper Scroll. And uh, and people that found this really didn't know what to do with it. It was a Copper Scroll rolled up, and uh, they didn't even know how to uh, open it up and acquire the information. And you introduced us to a guy in the last segment named, was it uh, Vendel uh, Jones, uh, Jim? Yes. Mm-hmm. Did he have a nickname like Indiana or anything like that? Yeah, he thought he was Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there you are, and you are meeting with him about the Copper Scrolls, and all of a sudden God began giving you revelation. And uh, to start start that conversation, because this really ends in re- remarkable uh, revelations. Yeah, I, I I sat and listened to him the whole weekend, and, and I learned a lot. Uh, some of the things I learned about the Copper Scroll was from him. One of them was that, you know, the Copper Scroll was written by five men. And you can actually see five different handwritings on the this, on this scroll as you examine it. And as I examined it, I could, I could see the differences in it. Well, he also taught me that, uh, you know, he... He taught me that who, at the time frame, he he thought it was at the time of Jeremiah, and I do I do too. And it was very obvious. I I thought all of the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, were written at the time of Jeremiah or before. When you know scholars today, they they believe all the Copper Scroll in particular, and and a lot of the Dead Sea Scrolls were written at the time of King Herod. You know, just prior to that time frame. I I totally disagree. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that there were a lot of them that were written around that time, but uh, the real important ones, uh, which I think are in a hidden cave near Kuban, were written by Jeremiah and the men prior to that. 
So, Wait, so you're talking about a completely different era. Uh, you're, you're not talking about the, the second temple era. You're talking about the first temple era? First temple era, yes. And I believe that it was at the time of the Babylonian attacks, when the Babylonians attacked uh, Judea at the time, uh, they they attacked and and all the preparations and, and the actual work done on the Copper Scroll was done by five men. Uh, that wrote the thing. And that, that was uh, Shemur Halevi, Hezekiah, Zedekiah, Haggai, and <laughs> Zachary, the son of Edu the prophet. So there's two men right there at the end, which I believe weren't men at the time. Now, biblically speaking, they were sons of the commandments. I believe they were old enough to have been bar mitzvahed at, at uh, approximately 12, 13 years old. They, I think they, they were selected because Jeremiah said, Ladies and gentlemen, you are going into captivity. You are going to pay back the seventy years that you did not, uh, you did not keep the shemitah years or the sabbatical years. You're supposed to let the land rest. You're supposed to do uh, certain things. They didn't do it. From the time of King Solomon all the way to the time of Jeremiah, they did not keep the sabbaticals. So God said, "I'm going to make you keep them." And besides that, not only that. But they were they were also breaking all the commandments. They were they were you know killing babies. They were just it was horrible, uh, just rotten. So God said, "You're going to go into captivity for seventy years." And that seventy years, He needed a couple of young men on that team so that they would be old enough and young enough whenever they got back from the captivity to be able to find these items. And if they were you know if the people were ready to use them. They needed to be able to find them and utilize them to rebuild the next temple. Wow, wow, wow! So, so let's let's kind of give a little bit of Bible history here in what you're de- declaring, because a lot of people do. They put these things in the Second Temple uh, era, and you're saying that these are actually uh, discoveries that really point to the First Temple, which increases their value and interest as well. Uh, it's remarkable. Mm-hmm. But but what, what you're saying is. Okay, so the the uh, Babylonians are ready to see t- pay, do a siege upon uh, Jerusalem and destroy the the temple, um, and so these invaluable documents, including the Copper Scroll, are hidden away in the caves of Qumran, which is just north of the dead, just kind of the northern edges of the Dead Sea. Uh, and they stick them into the cave caves so that somebody could retrieve them uh, after they came back from uh, their seventy-year captivity. And so that's what you're saying has been found in the copper scrolls. Is that correct? Yeah, and I believe that uh, a portion of the uh, the treasures that are buried at Qumran were they were actually used. For Zerubbabel's temple, but if you know your history about biblical, uh, biblical things at that time frame, the Zerubbabel's temple was a pathetic yes. uh, image of the the real thing. The Solomon's temple was glorious, and it was just a pathetic. I mean, people even cried. It's in scripture, so the people cried when they saw the temple because it was not at all, you know, what was there. And uh, they used a portion. I believe they used a portion of silver. There was one spot. Uh, that I'm very familiar with. It was about 60 feet long, best I can remember, and probably about five feet wide and probably five feet deep in silver ingots. Well, that they used a portion of that because not all of it is there. When we tested it, 
with a very big metal detector, me and a guy named Moshe Faglin, we realized that, you know, that stuff is still there. Uh, that, to us, was just incredible. Well, and when my listening friend, when you discover uh, what they have discovered under the ground there, and here's the deal, it's it's not fully accessible yet. It can't be excavated because it is not uh, really the purview of Israel. It's really under the purview of Jordan. And so uh, it's not legal for the Israelis to excavate that currently. But if you're familiar with the peace treaty and all the things that are going on today, these days, that is very likely to change soon. And these almost excavations are about ready to be excavated. And uh, Jim uh, has a very solid idea because of uh, the metal detectors that they were allowed to uh, run over the, the areas there. What he saw directly underground, we're about ready to see some major revelations. So let's talk a little bit. We want to stay in the in the past history here because we're going to devote the rest of the time to the things that as they relate today. And a lot of things that you talked about as far as God's judgment on the people for disregarding the Sabbaths and things like that. Here we are in a coronavirus situation, and here we are forced to obey God's Shabbats. Uh, and we're doing it in the intimacy of our own homes. It's almost ironic, and there are a lot of common denominators. So where would you like to take this past history from here, Jim? We've got about two two more minutes in this segment, and then we'll break to the commercial break and come back again. Okay. Uh, the possibilities, uh, the, the incredible possibilities, that, because in some of the other documents, uh, there's about five documents that confirm that the Copper Scroll is a real document, and the, the scholars believe that it is a real document. But what was hidden, uh, one of the most exciting things to me, if you read Second Maccabees and you, you understand what was buried inside of the cave at Qumran, uh, you're talking about the tabernacle and all the implements of the tabernacle. Now, they don't know what the tabernacle is. It's the tent that Moses took around in the wilderness with him for, you know, the 40 years that he wandered through the wilderness. that That's where all the gold and silver came from, I believe, uh, was utilized for this tabernacle was from Egypt. So, the, so wait it, a minute. Wait a minute here. What Are you saying that many of the artifacts that are just underground are, while they're certainly connected to the, the temple, but they also are connected to Moses' tabernacle back in the day? Are you saying that that's a very strong likelihood? Are you kidding? Absolutely. No, yes, I'm very serious about that. Uh, that's like like your your grandma's China, you know, your great-grandma's <laughs> China. You know, that's important stuff. So, yes, I do believe that because Second uh, Maccabees actually says that the tabernacle itself is buried inside of a cave in the vicinity of Qumran, and it was the cave was sealed up. Well... That's the same description that's on the Copper Scroll. That there's a large grave. The mouth of it was sealed after these implements were put inside of there. And you're talking very important ancient uh, artifacts, even before even before the first temple period. My, my oh yeah, before the first temple period, um, uh, Macedon. Uh, what do, what do you call what what's that the ne- the age previous to that the. Uh, um, Macedonia. Uh, what, there's a there's a phrase that you know Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and and those things when and the, and and the children of Israel 
Um, that that era is just remarkable. And when you think that many of the artifacts or the things that have yet to be uncovered are, are living just under the ground in this area just north of the Dead Sea, it's mind-boggling. Now, we're going to have to take a com- commercial break here and come right back, but I want you to start uh, discussing with our listeners why you feel this, and, and you, you talked about a metal detector. <laughs> I want yeah. you to tell the story behind that metal detector and why it confirmed your thoughts uh, as you were going. It's kind of fun, isn't it, Jim? You, you say, this is a possibility, and all of a sudden you discover things that's, that uh, support your theory. Isn't that amazing? Uh, it really incredible to realize this. Well, we're going to talk more about these things uh, when Jim Barfield of the Copper Scroll Project and CAS come right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. This is Pastor Jim Heidrich from Firewheel Church, and I declare over San Diego that the goodness of God is going to crash in on you with the weight of his glory because he's moving with compassion. Yes, you believe in Jesus, but Jesus believes in you. And I just affirm you in your call to greatness in Christ Jesus. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show with Cass Taylor. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. And I'm back with the director of the Copper Scroll Project, Jim Barfield. So we're going to be excavating some truths here. I want to walk you through this one step at a time. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves and have to backtrack. So I want to, I want to carry our story kind of line upon line and precept upon precept here. So, Jim, you had an opportunity to be looking into the content of the Copper Scrolls, and you were finding some amazing things that you knew were in Scripture, and so Scripture was telling you these things, and Holy Spirit was telling you those things as well, and uh, so you you began to communicate these things to some of the people that were um, in the antiquities, the Jewish antiquities leaders uh, in Israel, and, you know, I, I see it kind of like you're saying, can I have can I have a meeting with you? Can I have a meeting with you? And it's almost like begrudgingly they go, "Okay, kid, what do you got?" And it's kind it's kind of like and uh, when when you shared began sharing things uh, with these people, uh, I want you to to take us into those meetings and how eyes were brightened when you started to describe things outside of the box, Jim Barfield. Yeah, they they did they they thought I was a nut. I'm going to be real honest with <laughs> you. And I mean, I get it. I understand. You know, I, I didn't have the degrees. I don't have the PhD. I don't have the things that they would expect somebody to have. But what I did have was the answers. <laughs> and all I had to do was show them my research for them to be able to listen to me. And what I did initially is I, I met a lady here in Lawton, Oklahoma, that knew the director of the Antiquities Authority of Israel. It's a long story, and I'd rather cover some other stuff, but she introduced me to him. He invites me to Israel. We go, like within two weeks, me and my buddy Chris Knight go to Israel, and we begin to talk. I sit down uh, with, uh, first of all, I spoke with one of the lead rabbis, and he too thought I was a knight. <laughs> but after I showed him about, no kidding, I get about five minutes into this, 
And he gets up out of his chair and he picks me up and he kisses me on both cheeks and he is excited. Uh-huh. Because the research is simple. It's it's not some mystical document. It's a very straightforward, simple document, but you gotta know where the key is. And I found the key. The key is Qumran. That key then explained everything to me and within within twenty minutes. I figured out the first five locations. Now, so the first part, five locations, how many locations are in the uh, Copper Scroll? Of 57. What? 57? 57 locations of large amounts of gold, silver, gems, and biblical artifacts. To include the ephod, which is the breastplate of righteousness that the high priest wore on the Day of Atonement. My, you mean Aaron, Aaron, Aaron's breastplate uh, also? Yeah. Come on, yes. Jim. <laughs> well, yeah. It, I mean, it says it on the Copper Scroll that the ephod is inside of a cave, and it describes where the cave is at. And I found the exact description right there at Kubron. It was just, I was beside myself when I, whenever I found this, because I thought this is really going to be difficult to find. The rest of it, I just looked around the ruins for the descriptions that were on the Copper Scroll. And, 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 I, and so you saw landmarkations and things like that that uh, survived the millennia, and so you could begin to pinpoint, you know, uh, the actual location of different items and artifacts? Yes, and it was that simple. You know, the business one says at the, at the steps heading east, 40 cubits, find 17 talents of, uh, of silver vessels. And there... Heading east was a set of steps going down into a uh, pool, and it, and and whenever I measured it, it was exactly forty cubits long. Well, we are, and thought it was a coincidence, but then I found the next one, and it was exactly as described on the copper scroll. Then I found the next one, which was a cave. Now let me tell you this: those first three were in a perfectly straight line. And they pointed right toward the cave. The first two pointed right toward the cave, and the cave being the third one. I thought, well, look at this. Well, at the end of the Copper Scroll, uh, locations 53 through 57, all five of those lined up in a perfectly straight line with the location number 57 being the mouth of the cave. Wow, and now, Jim. guys, that's Indiana Jones stuff if I've ever heard it. And I am not saying I'm Indiana Jones. I'm, oh, no, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. But secretly, I think you are. Anyway, but one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm discovering here is God puts different people in place to help these uh, discoveries. Now, you were introduced to a man who was in the Knesset at the time, and yeah. and you had some uh, excavation—not excavation, but— uh, uh, metal detector capabilities um, and uh, and you know all these things are lining up and you, you had a chance to survey in a, in a manner of speaking the area just north of the Dead Sea and you're beginning to see these things align and um, you have a metal detector a friend of yours has uh, I don't know what the right terminology of that is but uh, a person in the Knesset is involved in this, too. And what gave him special privilege to say, let's go ahead and uh, do a metal detector in this area where you think these things are embedded? Jim, tell that story. I was I was invited by a group of Jewish 
men to meet with Moshe Faglin, the deputy speaker of the Knesset in New York. So I flew to New York, sat down with him, and he saw my research, and just like everybody else, he thought I was insane. And then five minutes into it, he's going, oh, my gosh, why are you not digging? He's very religious. He's very dedicated to God, and he's very dedicated to rebuilding the next temple. He wants to see it rebuilt. Well, he says, when are you going to be back in Israel again? I said, I'll be there in one month. He said, call me, set it up with my uh, assistant. He said, I will meet you at Kumon. He said, I will do the scan. If the Israelis or my brothers in Israel won't do it, he said, I will. Now, he, he, said, he could legally get away with this where other people couldn't do this because of his Knesset position. Is that right? And that's what he told me. He said, I, I can do this because I have diplomatic immunity. <laughs> and I said, okay. So we went out there. He met us at Kuban. We took a, the detector, went out there, and began to scan. And we scanned four, one, two, three, four locations, and all four of them came back with very large amounts of non-ferrous and some ferrous metals, non-ferrous being brass, copper, silver, gold, and large amounts of it. So it was just, and, in, and the biggest biggest hoard that we saw, we we scanned a, an area about, oh, about 45 feet long, maybe 50 feet long, about 20 feet wide, and it had enormous amounts of non-ferrous metal showing up over it, and it, we were right over the top of the cave scanning. Oh, my. And, yeah, you know, this metal detector will penetrate down to 50, 100 feet. With that large of a uh, metal, amount of metal, because it's not designed to find coins, it's not designed to find bracelets, it's designed to... <laughs> you wouldn't see it on the beach money. on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, the you know uh, the the guys with the corona over in China would be going, oh my goodness, what is that tingling sensation we're feeling here? Because <laughs> it's so amazingly powerful. My my my. So so here 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 here's the deal. You did the uh, metal detector, and, and the Knesset member, his mind is being boggled as well. And he's a man who has a real heart for the building again of a, a another temple, and we're right in the thick of those things right now too. Uh, with the gov- with the Israeli government and some freedoms that are just about ready to be released, which we will talk about in the future segments. But so here you have tangible proof uh, on, on printouts of invaluable things just beneath the ground, and you're not allowed to dig there because this is really under the uh, under the supervision of the Jordanians. Is that correct? No, that's that's not accurate. Um, what what it is, it's it's all under the. There's three what they call three different areas right now. Now it's about to change. So there's area A, B, and C. Area C is the vast majority of the West Bank. Yes. And then there are pockets all through there. It's like you know, like somebody threw paint at a, at a map and it splattered, and that's you know the the Palestinian areas. Area A, you don't want to go into. Because that is strictly Palestinian, and you are taking your life in your hands. And then there's Area B, which is a joint operation between Israelis and Palestinians, and Area C, which is where Qumran is at, is in an Area C. However, that is about to change. But we were able to go out there, and because of his diplomatic community, Moshe Faglin, we were able to scan that area and, and make those discoveries. But and you couldn't dig. Have- no, nobody could dig there. Why can't they dig there now? Well, they, they can't dig there. They they can, but up until I went there with an archaeologist, a very well-known Israeli archaeologist, 
knew the people that we were talking to very well, and we spoke to the head of the uh, Antiquities Department for the West Bank, and I gave him a presentation. And you know what happens when I give a presentation. Well, this guy <laughs> looked at it, and he, he better never go to Las Vegas because he's going to lose. He does not got a poker face. <laughs> he watched, and he was just going, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. You know, his facial expressions were shot. My, my. And when we got done, my, the, the archaeologist went to him after, you know, like uh, about a month later, he went to him and said, hey, we want to do a scan. He refused. He wouldn't let us do it. And all we were going to do was scan, leave footprints and take nothing. But he wouldn't let us do it. And he told me as I was getting ready to leave that day, he said, Mr. Barfield, sometimes it's best to just leave things alone. And at the time, it really frustrated me. But when I look back and I know that the, the Oslo Accords created a real problem. They, you know, who, who would get those items if we'd have excavated during that time frame? Who would have wound up with those items? And guys, this belongs to Israel. It doesn't oh, yes. belong to Palestine. It doesn't belong to Egypt. It doesn't belong to Jordan. It belongs to Israel. No one else. Wow. So they did a good thing, actually. Actually, hold they, that thought, Jim. Hold that thought because we have to take a break. But here we are. Can you imagine this, my friend? He, Jim's telling the story. And here we are on this precipice of discovery and what is going to happen next and uh, how is God opening doors and possibilities for this perhaps one of the greatest excavations and discoveries in the history (laughs) of uh, the nation of Israel are you kidding me and uh, Jim Barfield and I were were, uh, excited to tell you this dramatic story and it has uh, more revelation when Jim and I come right back more come together san diego with kaz taylor is next fm 106.1 and am 1210 k praise now more of come together san diego on k praise here's kaz taylor can you believe this my listening friend can you believe this the things that have been buried in the earth for millennia Uh, have awaited an appropriate or proper time to be discovered. And when they do, a lot of things are going to be unleashed that are going to confirm God and God's kids and the validity of Israel. You know, I'm with Jim Barfield. He's the director of the Copper Scroll Project. And and, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about this. (laughs) The first hour is whizzing by here. But let me just give you a scripture. Jim, have you thought about this this scripture in the book of Habakkuk, uh, chapter 2, where it says, write the vision upon tables, and, uh, and so that those that read it can run with it, for the vision is for an appointed time, but when it comes to pass, it will not tarry. To me, my listening friend, what this means is that God gives people an ability to write things down on tablets or, in this particular instance, copper scroll. <laughs> and so the appointed time comes to pass so that when it's, it's God's timing, it, uh, it can't be stopped. Have you, have you, this, this is, that scripture, I was thinking about that recently, this scripture really speaks to that, does it not? Yeah, it does, and, and, and not only that, but it's it's mentioned in the uh, Copper Scroll. It's mentioned uh, in the sporting documents. Uh, that that's an important thing to recognize that there is an appointed time 
Um, and the treaties of the temple vessels, where it talks a lot about the Copper Scroll and, and gives a lot of details, it says that these things won't be found until the time of the coming of the Messiah. And the marble tablet talks about the same thing. Say that again slowly. <laughs> Say that again slowly. <laughs> yeah, the, there's a supporting documents that confirm that, that the Copper Scroll is a real legitimate document. And treaties of the temple vessels. Uh, it, it's a it's a writing on the temple vessels they found in uh, Cairo, Egypt, I believe, in a Genizah, which is a, a repository for old books, Jewish books. They, it says that these things will be found only when it's the time of the coming of Messiah and the restoration of Israel. That's a very significant. It's already happening. Yes, uh, unless you're hidden away in a cave somewhere. You know, everybody knows that Israel is being restored as we speak. Yes. Then there's the marble tablets. They talk about the same thing. It gives the date that they wrote the uh, Copper Scroll. That uh, Second Maccabees gives the dates of the events, which is Babylonian time frame or Jeremiah time frame. And it names the items that were in the cave. It gives the dates. Uh, when when these things are found, it will be the time of the regathering of God's people. My, my, my. My, my friends, do you understand the implications that uh, Jim Barfield is saying here? The implications are, you know, if you go to the Holy Land, if you watch the news in the United States, you're going to see a lot of fake news because they don't like the things that are going on that restore the Judeo-Christian values. In Israel right now, there's a lot of fake news, and there are a lot of people that would rather say that Israel is a a, a myth, the whole idea about the real Israel and the real Israelites, because if, if it is confirmed that Israel is Israel and the Israelites are the Israelites, then they have the right to the land. And there are a lot of people in contention over that very fact. So when you discover these hidden artifacts and they actually attest to this, the, the person who is saying the fake news, they, they have nothing to stand on anymore. So the implications are remarkable. And we're in a time, Jim, and I know you feel this as well, where these things are going to be discovered and uh, the people are just going to have to embrace Israel. And as they do that, they're going to have to embrace God's plan to his beloved Jews as well. Thoughts on that, Jim? That's absolutely true. And uh, another thing that's coming out of the Copper Scroll is going the same things you're talking about. Is on the scroll there are seven groupings of Greek letters. Those Greek letters uh, have a number value, and Hebrew letters have a number value. And the scholars couldn't figure it out why what this meant. I decided I would take the number value of each one of those letters and match it to the number value of a Hebrew letter. And the first <laughs> rattle into the box, it spelled the word priest, which is Kohen. Then it spelled Yod, which is the Yod, which is the hand. Then it says spelled sixth age. It spelled drink, spirit, grace, wilderness. And in other words, what it was saying is a term of endearment you see throughout, especially the Old Testament. It says in the sixth age, the hand of the priest will give drink of the spirit of grace in the wilderness. That is right in the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's, it's in the book of Isaiah. It's in the book of Jeremiah. A variation, but, but it's the same thing. The mortar that we found at the Copper Scroll at the cave, there's mortar there. That has been determined to be far more likely to be man-made than anything natural-made. Why would there be mortar in the, in, in the an occupied area 
which is man-made. And there's other things out there. Not only that, people, we there's a guy found in the, you ever heard of the Bible codes? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, well, he ran a Bible code on the Cover Scroll Project, and he found some amazing things. And I really wasn't interested in the Bible codes. But then a lady contacted me two days ago, and he said, she said, Mr. Barfield, her name is Ann Kelly. She's got a tiny little uh, YouTube page called uh, Focus on Bible Codes. She said, I did a search on your name. She said, I found Barfield, and she showed this to me. Barfield, Qumran, and Jerusalem all on the same page running up and down parallel with the exact same skip distances. And, and, <laughs> and she said, and I also found firefighter. You know, if there's a modern word, and I don't know what it is off the top of my head for firefighter, but she showed it to me last night, and I can't remember what it is. She found Messiah, Repentance, Copper, Ark, and she even found uh, information about there's Qumran and Jerusalem are a match. They're in reversed uh, cardinal directions. South is north and north is south, but they match Jerusalem. The Qumran matches Jerusalem uh, as far as the shape of it. Exactly. It's incredible. So my point is, there are things leading us to know that this location is the right spot. And I got to tell you, Kev, it's just hard for me to believe that, you know, this it's coming to an end. And I'm I'm excited about that because I believe we're at a time uh, that we've been looking for for centuries. Oh yeah, well, millennia. Actually, in all honesty, millennia. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, this is a good place to make a transition. We're going to spend the the first hour is over. Can you believe that? And the second hour, we're going to start to dig more deeply, not only into the discoveries underground there, but their present day and future implications and applications as well, because this is going to blow your mind. Jim talked about when these things begin to be discovered as such, this is really signaling the soon return of Messiah. And we, you know, those of us who believe the scripture and love the Lord, we are excited to anticipate the soon coming return of the Lord himself to these lands. And this is one of those signposts that will be undeniable as it becomes more and more excavated. So Jim and I are going to talk about these things. We've talked about the the past tense of these things and how they got there. Now we're going to talk about in the next hour what that means to us today and into the future. You're going to absolutely love it. Jim, are you game to stay with me for the next hour as well? Huh? You got my attention. I'll tell you. <laughs> my friends, I hope that Jim and I have your intention, and you're excited as well. And guess what? We will be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. KPRZ, San Marcos, Poway, and K29CR, Encinitas, FM 106.1, North County, AM 1210, San Diego, K-Praise. I'll tell the world, world, world. Come together, San Diego, with Cash Taylor on FM 106.1 and AM 1210, K-Praise. I'll tell the world, world, world. Yes, 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 I'm back with Jim Barfield, he's the, <laughs> the director of the Copper Scroll 
project. I'm laughing because, you know, we read the scripture and we go, oh, those are nice in the future. Those are nice in the future. And we kind of have to look at them with a different light now because it's no longer the future uh, as in uh, years and decades and centuries away. The future could be tomorrow morning at 9 (laughs) a.m. You know what I mean? So the truth of the matter is scripture is coming to pass now and the things that are being discovered in uh, in Israel right now carry a great deal of weight into the future as well. In fact, they may help forge the future. So uh, I, I love our conversation, Jim. We've spent a lot of time getting up to this point, and you, you ended our last segment talking about uh, a discovery that uh, the uh, the geography of the uh, uh, Qumran caves and the area just north of the Dead Sea and the certain areas that are being brought to attention through the Copper Scroll is actually the same configuration of areas in Jerusalem, only flip-flopped. Explain that and then... (laughs) I'm sorry, Jim. I'm so sorry because I just love Scripture so much and it is right before our eyes it's coming to pass. So explain that that the geography and the and the flip-flop of that and then i want to get into what this means to us today jim barfield what what i like to say is the future is not or prophecy is is not near prophecy is here (laughs) i believe that and and there's a lot of things that make me believe that one of them is the the, uh, qumran jerusalem match Whenever people see that in Israel, they I, I actually met with a group of the Sanhedrin, the current Sanhedrin there, and I showed them that, and you should have seen the looks on their faces and the slapping of the forehead, and, you know, they, <laughs> why, why did no one see this before? And I stumbled onto it. I was looking for a map of Jerusalem at the time of uh, Jeremiah, and I found a map, and I thought, why did they put Qumran on here? And they drew it upside down. And I said, this is ridiculous. I said, these guys are supposed to know, you know, how to, how to print maps. North is always to the top. Well, I realized that it, it was Jerusalem. And they had built Qumran to match Jerusalem. But that's not the only thing. I mean, there's the, the mikvah. There's a mikvah there. It's a double-entry mikvah, which is a baptismal pool. That is... It, it acts as the pool of Siloam, oh. where many miracles took place. And then there is the uh, the righteous one's house, or his room that he stayed in. It represents the temple. Then there is, I mean, you just go around at the woman's house, the gates piece. And the uh, columns, you, you, you found the columns yeah. as well, which illustrate the, the, the temple columns. I mean, please... Jim, please. So your takeaway is that uh, God is trying to make it clear to us, but we have to, as you say, get outside the box. And here we have an an investigator, a fire investigator, who has to surmise uh, truth based on the remains of things that he sees from a fire. And so this is exactly your strong point. You're you're looking at uh, ruins and you go, what caused these ruins? And all of a sudden you see the common denominators and you see a parallel between the uh, the area just north of the, the Dead Sea and, and the cave area and those things. And you see the replica of that. That is the replica of the, the area of Jerusalem and the temple area flip-flopped. It's got to be a God thing, Jim. 
Oh, there's no doubt. I, you know, I'm not that smart of a guy. I'm not dumb. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not. I don't have. Uh, I did a chemistry. I can't. You know, total recall. I don't have it. I'm just a guy that loves. I love to do Bible research, and this really inspired me. But there's more to the story than that. I'm not surprised, Jim, knowing you. It it talks about uh, the cave or the cliff of judgment. And I thought, why would they call it the cliff of judgment? And then the light came on. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, could this possibly be the the cliff where they push the Azazel goat off on the Day of Atonement? And I was excited. So I began to check it out. I went to uh, the Babylonian Talmud, to the uh, Jerusalem Talmud, and I looked to see the distance that they had to walk the goat from the temple gate where they took the goat out of and where, how far they had to walk it. And guess what? That and distance they, is, is, is uh, uh, comparable to the distance between Jerusalem and the caves of Qumran? Or is that what you're saying to me? The, to the to the cliff that I'm talking about, right there. To, <laughs> oh my! It's exactly the right distance. And I I told this to uh, a temple scholar, and he said, "Oh my gosh!" He said that makes so much sense. He said because he said I've been to the cliff where they said that the goat was pushed off of. He said I've been there several times. He said, you push a goat off of that cliff. He said all it's going to do is get up and get mad at you because <laughs> it's not going to hurt it. So this cliff, you shove a goat off of this cliff, it's not going to survive. Now, there are people think, oh, that's cruel. No, that's the way it is. That's well, what God had established, and that's the way it is. Can, can Let's back up just for a minute, because a lot of this is going to be flying over um, our listeners' head. But now help, help me as I reconstruct this. Isn't it during the day of the Feast of Tabernacles, the last, the seventh month of the Hebrew calendar uh, that celebrated the Feast of Trumpets and the and the Day of Atonement and where the blood sacrifice is, is given. And is, is that the time frame when this scapegoat, when the, when the priest lays hands on two goats, one of them it becomes a sacrificial goat, and then the other one is uh, left out into the wilderness? And uh, yeah. is, is that the same time frame you're talking about? Yeah, it's it's uh, about the at, the at the spring equinox. Oh, I'm okay, sorry. spring. Okay, so this the is a different. It's not necessary. I don't think it would. Spring would be more like uh, uh, Passover, and then heading in to um, uh, Shavuot, which is the Pentecost. Yes. Okay, so there it is, and the and you have the uh, the goat two different goats and the priest lays hands on both of them. One is sacrificed and one is carried by, a, the Bible says a fifth man into the wilderness. Is, and so this is what you're right. talking about. That's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and they take it into the wilderness and they have been wondering where this place is at. Well, it's, it's Qumran. That area is where they did this. I'm positive of it. And there's even, there's even a uh, big uh, stone. It's probably about uh, two and a half feet long. Uh, almost two feet tall, about a foot and a half wide. It's a, almost square, rectangular, uh, cubicle shape. And there's a there's a conical hole bored into this into the stone right next to the cliff. And there's a there's a path that leads up to the edge of the cliff that you know it's been there forever. Nobody ever walks out there, but the path is still there. My and 
Yeah, and if, why is it there? Right there by the most vertical point of this cliff, which is about uh, 170 feet high. So you push a goat off of that. You're talking a 17-story building, uh, and the goat just doesn't do well coming off of something no, like that. No, no, no. And, you know, we could spend a lot of time talking about that and the implications and some of the things that the Jews are uh, looking into as far as God's judgments and things like that that are tied <clears throat> to this and uh, uh, red red scarlet cords uh, on the door, on the doors and things like that. But we don't have time to do that in this uh, remaining hour. So let's, you know, I, all the stuff that I've been studying and that you've been studying, this is it. This is, this is proof text that those things actually happened and uh, their implications. So, but, but let, let's pull back a little bit now, because this is, we could talk for decades on this, Jim. But let's talk. <laughs> let's talk a little bit now about the implications for these last days. You know, right now there's the whole land of Israel is in contention with people in the surrounding nations and Palestinians and things like that. To say, you know, many might say that Israel really doesn't deserve this land. It was never supposed to be their land because Israel is a, a fabrication anyway. These these discoveries uh, illustrate that. Israel and God's people were actually written into history, undeniably so. So it forces people to have to take a different look at the old book. And uh, so there's a lot of turbulence there. Uh, and I see a parallel with what's going on in the United States of America. People are take, having to take a, a new look at the what we call the, 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 the new book, which is the Constitution. And a lot of people are saying that's not for today either. And so I see a parallel path between Israel and Jerusalem and the United States uh, and Washington, D.C. as well. So um, it's time for us to take another break, and we'll be back after this break. I guess you can tell, my friend— uh, Things are getting exciting, and Jim is going to start putting periods at the end of the sentences to give you some understanding on what's actually going on here and what it means to you and I today, but will mean to the Lord's soon return tomorrow when Jim and I come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. Hey there. With my newfound friend and special co-host for this uh, two-hour show for Come Together San Diego, Jim Barfield. And he is the director of the Copper Scroll Project. And before we go any further into this, you have a book, don't you, that's tied to this that uh, our mutual friend Shelley Nice wrote uh, in regards to the Copper Scroll Project. Tell us a little bit about that and how people can order that. Yeah, the, uh, Shelley and I uh, signed a contract, oh gosh, 10 years ago. I don't remember exactly how long, but we, uh, we, I gave her all the information and she put the book together. She did a wonderful job. And it's uh, it's it's called the Copper Scroll Project, uh, an ancient secret field of battle for the Temple Mount. Yes. You can go to you can go to Amazon, you can go to bookstores, and they'll order it for you. And um, they she she did she did a wonderful job, and and I really really like the style and the way she wrote the book. Uh, but uh, we. 
we're not we're not gonna I'm not gonna release any of my I'm, I want everybody to understand that I'm not gonna release any of my research my findings where these low places are located anything like that yeah. in this it's strictly the story of the Copper Scroll Project yes yes you yes know how it came together yes and. Uh, the uh, research, I've got a book, it's a, about a 290-page document that I put together, and it contains all the details about the research. Now, the research, uh, the Copper Scroll research and, and discoveries are all mine, and I got a copyright on it, uh, actually, before I ever met Shelley Neese. Yes. But uh, I'm not releasing that one until after this is all over with, and then I'll release that book for people <laughs> that have actually made the discovery. When when you say all over with the all over with is uh, right on the threshold, isn't it? I think it is. I do. <laughs> I think all these things that we're we're talking about, uh, you know, what's what's coming, what's right around the corner, and what people I want people to understand is this: there's uh, there's information uh, about the uh, Copper Scroll and and within uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls, there's information about Yeshua, Jesus, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, there's at least three prophecies in there about him and John the Baptist. And people don't realize that. Uh, there's prophecies in there about about now, not in the, not in the cover scroll, but in the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, and in the scriptural. Uh, I mean, there's, there's things in there I can tell you that it predicts the date 1947, it, it gives details about a lot of the information, the, the Jubilee years, uh, Shemitah years, which are the uh, sabbatical years, every seven years, and the Jubilee years are actually every 49 years. Yes. Because they have to match up. Yes. People think that it's 50 years. What happens is the, the 49th, after the 49th year is the 50th year, but the 50th year and the first year of the next cycle are the same year. My, my, so, my. Anyway, yeah, there's a, there's information in there about uh, about uh, Yeshua, Messiah, and Joseph, and it talks about John the Baptist in in the uh, scrolls. Guys, once this stuff comes out, if I'm right about the Copper Scroll, if my research is correct, we're about to see some incredible information coming out of the ground. Now, imagine this: let's say that we find an ancient library. Uh, that that was at the time buried at the time of Jeremiah. All the documents in the Dead Sea Scrolls they were out left out in open caves, and they did incredibly well surviving. Now, what if? Listen closely. What if there's that Jeremiah when they buried all these precious gold and silver, they they buried things that were even more precious. You know, documents from before his time, and all of the texts are intact inside of that same cave I've been telling you about this whole time. What if they're inside of that cave? What if inside of that cave there is uh, the ashes of the red heifer? Oh, my. What if in that cave there is instructions on how to, in, how to reconstruct the tabernacle, which is supposed to be inside of that same cave with all of the implements? Oh, my, so, my. Yeah, think about what's coming if it's actually in there. What what would that do? I mean, for the people that don't believe, they would be reconsidering. I'm telling you, they, there's no way to get around that. They would be reconsidering, what if this Bible stuff is really true? 
people that have fallen away from Scripture would be going, oh, my goodness. I, you know, I thought that the Bible was a myth. You know, I got angry at God, and I thought the Bible was a myth. I'm going to be turning back and saying, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What have I done? And they will see, because these items, a rabbi told me this. He said, he said, Mr. Barfield, he said, do you realize that these items are the dowry for the coming bride? And when he said that, I just, I just got cold chills because I'm thinking, first of all, this is a rabbi, and he thinks of it as, a, as about the coming bride. I didn't, didn't sink in with me, but you know what? All this information came from the Jews. <laughs> and he, he was telling me this stuff, and, and I thought, oh, my gosh. Why else would he put all this gold, silver, and gems oh inside of a cave and bury them all around Qumran? That's the dowry. That's oh the money God. that will be used to to start and restore the kingdom that is about to come. Oh and my. I believe it's here. I believe it's about to happen. And all these believers, all the Jewish people, because he, he said, Jimmy, this is going to start a revival like we've never seen in Israel. And I thought, oh, my goodness, he's right. The Jewish people, the Christians, they're going to be all be going, wait a minute. And I'm telling you, listen, everybody, you think, you think you're going to show the Jewish people a lot of stuff and they're going to have to repent? we got the same thing to do. Exactly. I'm telling you, we are going to have to realize there's some things in Scripture that we've been throwing out that we're going to have to start learning again. Yes, yes. And, and would, would would you say that it's accurate, Jim, that not only we Christians have to relearn the, you know, the character of the Old Testament and the Tanakh and and, and the, the Torah and things like that, we have to reexamine that because it changes our faith. But would it be safe to say that as Jews examine this, it's going to force them to take a little different look at the book that they've been embracing and, uh, shall we say, Messiah... Uh, Yeshua, uh, Messiah, uh, uh, the Messiah, Jesus, or Yeshua, is actually embedded there as well. So uh, Jews are going to have to take a new look at, at this as well as, as Christians. It's going to revolutionize things, and there are going to be people that are going to be standing out. I, I refuse to believe that. I refuse to believe that. And that's going to be uh, the demise to, to some people. But on the on the on the other side of the equation, it's going to be set a lot of people free. Not only in those with the Jewish heritage, but it is also going to set those that have embraced Jesus Christ as well. A new look at everything. Would you say that's accurate? Absolutely. It's going to eyes are going to be opened. The blind are going to see again. The deaf are going to hear. <laughs> Meaning, we don't get so high-minded and think that we are so special that we're not going to be getting a lot of correction. Because I'm telling you, we are. When I started studying and learning about the biblical feasts and how they relate to Messiah, oh my goodness! You want a double understanding of Scripture? Then, for goodness' sakes, learn about the biblical feasts, and I promise you. You will double your understanding of Scripture, and you'll be able to. It's it's like you're you're speaking a new language, uh, only it's it's more vivid. The colors are brighter, and it's an incredible thing. Yes, yes, yes. And when you know, I I, I enjoy studying Scripture, but I also enjoy stepping back and looking at the broad brushstroke of this. And it is amazing, Jim. You talked about the landscape in Jerusalem compared to the area 
in the Qumran Valley, except it's flip-flopped and upside down. When you take a step back and take a look at the uh, overall spiritual lay of the land of Scripture, you, you realize that these all these things are actually written to give us, uh, embolden us into these days for the preparation of the coming of Messiah, but also to prepare us for the battles that are waging at our doorstep. Would you agree? Uh, absolutely. Uh, can we t- absolutely. Let's, hold, let's hold off on discussing this for the last half hour because we have to take a break. But I hope your interest and appetite has been wet, my friend, because we have Jim Barfield of the Copper Scroll Project and I coming right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. This is Judy Ross, co-pastor of Cloud9 Worship Center. San Diego, I am declaring over you, you are the southwest gate of this nation. And through you will pour abundance and greatness and the glory of God. That's what you were created for. Come together, San Diego, with Cass Taylor, FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. You know, the phrase that we use, when it rains, it pours. Well, this is really true in Scripture as well. When God starts unleashing things and revealing things, it happens on many different fronts concurrently. And we are in the thick of that right now. I guess you may acknowledge that we're in the middle of a virus threat across the world. It's called the coronavirus. And a lot of people are wondering, uh, is God, what's God's plans in the thick of these things? But we're also discussing some of the revelations that are happening buried in the ground in Israel and the surrounding areas and the implications thereof. It's kind of like all these things, if they take their full maturity, are going to change the way we look at things. And uh, I've got uh, Jim Barfield with me, and he is the director of the Copper Scroll Project, and I want to use this segment and the last segment to talk about these things, Jim. Um, before we dive into this, I, w- I had a revelation uh, ye- yesterday, and I want you to speak into this as well, when we we're talking about these things are crescendoing, and we have to get the message. We have to get the message. Jim, this is a scripture that I'm sure you're very familiar with as well, as found in Second Chronicles 7. 14, we know the scripture because in this virus time, we're quoting this a lot. And uh, it says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and they shall pray and they shall seek my face um, and they shall turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now, this has many different ramifications to it. God wants to heal the land of Israel by these excavations and actually bring Israel back into its original intent. But God is also using things like this plague or virus uh, for us to recalibrate. Uh, you know, before we get into this, I want to just, I, I 
was listening to a man named Lance Walnow last night. He brought something to my recollection in that scripture that I read to you, my listening friend, in Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If you read the verse before this, it really brings it home. It says, and God is saying to the children of Israel, if I shut up heaven that there's no rain, or if I command the locusts to uh, devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, and then it says, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And and, and so the whole thing is really built on uh, challenging times turning into God's intervention and blessing. And here we are, we're talking about the discoveries that are in the earth uh, right now in Israel, and as those things are discovered as well, the whole landscape, our whole way of dealing with things has to change. Not only this coronavirus thing is leading to that if we appropriate it properly, but the discoveries that are in the ground in Israel, they could change, they will change the way we look at Scripture and the way we look at our Jewish brethren. Speak to that a little bit, uh, Jim, and then we're going to just have you give your the, your closing thoughts for this last two segments. Jim Barfield. Oh, thank you, sir. And what what I want people to recognize is is how important uh, Qumran and the Dead Sea Scrolls are, and how impactful they're going to be. And I'm going to lead you into that by telling you that there is a particular scroll in the Dead Sea Scrolls, and it's not the Copper Scroll, but it's called the Melchizedek Scroll, and the catalog number for it is 11Q13. In that document, it's a short fragment uh, of a scroll, but it actually tells you about the Melchizedek order. And for the people that that are Bible students and you know anything about uh, the book of Hebrews or the Psalms, uh, you see that and in the book of Genesis, it talks about the Melchizedek. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there is far more to that than what you might imagine. And I'm going to tell you some things that might flip your boat over, but the Melchizedek order there were two priesthoods at the time that whenever they came out of the wilderness or they were going in into the wilderness, actually. There were the Levitical priests, and there were also the Melchizedek order, which was the priesthood. Israel was supposed to have been a nation of priests, not a tribe of priests, but a nation of priests. And they were all the firstborns of the, of, of the uh, nation of Israel from every tribe were supposed to have been priests. That was their job. Now, how is it that Jesus, Yeshua, became a priest when he's not a Levite? Well, it tells you in the book of Hebrews, it tells you, listen, guys, he was of the order of Melchizedek. And there's a huge story, and I'm not going to go too deep into this, but I want you to understand that there is a load of really powerful and wonderful information that's way at the, in the desert of Israel. And where do we meet with the Messiah? We meet him in the wilderness. And he speaks tenderly to us. And he, 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 we become one with him again. And that's what's coming. And that's where Qumran is at, is in the wilderness of Israel. So I want you to know that because whenever Yeshua, Jesus, was reading in the synagogue, he was reading from Isaiah, he was reading the very things that you you will find in this Melchizedek scroll. Yes, yes. And and he says, and liberty will be proclaimed for them and set them free from their debt, their inequities. What they're talking about is that they're actually leading up to the 
and they're actually leading up to uh, the crucifixion. It tells you about the crucifixion in this scroll, and and that it would be at a certain jubilee. And ladies and gentlemen, whenever Jesus Yeshua was crucified, he was crucified in a jubilee year. Because what he was reading in that synagogue, and when he got up to read from Isaiah, he was reading Jubilee terminology, and he was fulfilling the prophecy of the Jubilee terminology. That's why I'm telling you that if you understood the biblical feast, you would know exactly what he was doing with each one of these. Because when he was baptized by John, it was baptized on Pentecost. Whenever... Whenever, whenever he stood up in the in the synagogue, it was on the Day of Atonement, and and I just go down the list. He was fulfilling. He fulfilled all of the first first three feasts, and the last three feasts are coming. He will fulfill them in that time frame. Yes. And whenever he was sacrificed as a Lamb of God, he was a, he was sacrificed on the Passover, not Easter, on Passover. Yes. And that what was happening, and I'm warning you, I'm encouraging, I am, uh, I would stand on my head if I, <laughs> if I could for you, to get you to start studying your scriptures and know because it's coming. And listen, here's what's happening in, the, in Israel right now. Now, I don't care if you love Trump, hate him, I could care less, but I want to tell you something. That man has set in motion some major events with the acknowledgement of Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Everybody realizes that and knows that. But he's also annexed the Golan Heights. He's established a peace plan in it, the, at the Jordanian or, or the Palestinians. If they would listen, they would flourish. But I'm telling you, they're not. They're not going to accept that peace plan. It's not going to happen. However, it's going to continue with or without them. And here's the really big thing for me. There is an annexation, annexation in there of the Jordan Valley, which is <laughs> a huge piece of land, but it's an important piece of land because that's where Qumran sits. And if they if they uh, annex that, that means that all of that area falls under Israeli proper. It becomes their land, and they don't have to worry about the Oslo Peace Accord. They don't have to worry about any agreements with Jordan. They don't have to worry about any agreements with the Palestinians because it's their land then. Yes. That opens it up where, whether it's me or someone else, and they open that cave and re-recover these treasures. Oh, my goodness. Because the treasure's not going to be gold. It's not going to be silver. And they're going to be the gems. It's going to be the words that are inside those caves, uh, they, that cave in particular. And it's going to restart everything. And the possibility that the millennial kingdom would begin, I'm telling you, we're late. The great Shabbat is what I call it. The great Shabbat, the millennial kingdom, that's a 7,000th set of years. Yes. Uh, it, that it, it's that's what it is, and and the there's rabbinic prophecies right now, and Israel are swirling, they're just swirling over there. Uh, even the even the people that are in the cabinet for Netanyahu are saying the Messiah's coming, he's coming, yes. we know he's coming, yes, and they're getting ready, and we need to get ready and uh, learn as much Hebrew as you can, by God, because <laughs> they're not going to be going to be speaking Greek, but the election. I think, I think the election is over. 
And I say I think because uh, three times now we have, they've had elections and they couldn't make it come together. That was prophesied by one of their one of their old. He was in his hundreds when he made the prophecy. Yes, yes. He prophesied that there would be elections, but no government. It happened. It's all happening at the same time with this coronavirus, with uh, a, a lot of other things. And I'm telling you, there's some big things coming. Yes, there are. My listening friend, I, Jim, we're, we're going to spend the last segment uh, uh, concluding the things that we spent in the other earlier seven segments. So it's going to be very enlightening. But your whole your whole insights about the Melchizedek uh, priesthood, which is spoken of very clearly, not only in Genesis, but also in the New Testament book of Hebrews. It's, uh, it's going to change the way we deal with one another. It's going to change the way that we define religion. It's going to change the way that we believers have to deal one with another and with our God. It's going to change the rules on every one of those things. And and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about those things and also summarize the things that you have heard. I know your brain is almost exploding, my listening friend, because of all of the implications and the truths that Jim Barfield of the Copper Scroll Project has shared with you. And uh, when when we come back, we're going to uh, do summaries to help you uh, kind of grasp on these things, but also give you targets for your own personal study. That's when Jim Barfield and I come right back. More. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show with Kaz Taylor. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. And I'm back with Jim Barfield, the director of the Copper Scroll Project. Jim, I don't know about you, but uh, when I consider all, all that's going on, including the discoveries in Israel, my expectation and my hopes for the future it, it literally is uncontrollable, in, uncontainable for me. And uh, I know you feel the same way as well. So I'm going to allow you, I'm going to give you the seven or eight minutes that are left in this show to bring a summary of everything together, and then uh, we will end the broadcast. Uh, Jim Barfield, The Copper Scroll Project. Jim? Well, thank you, sir. And uh, I had uh, we ended with uh, talking about the uh, Melchizedek scroll, and the reason I did that, and I went from there immediately into what was happening politically in Israel, is because there's coming a change of government. The Israelis are aware of that, and I heard a rabbi say uh, in a article that. Netanyahu will be the last prime minister before the coming of the Messiah. Now, will that happen? I have no idea. But the point of that is that they know there will come a time when the Israeli government will cease to operate as it is now, and it will return as it was supposed to have been many years ago. And it will remain that way, and and God will have his, his Messiah in place, and it will be run in a magnificent way. And I am so looking forward to that, to have a leader that we can trust and a leader that, you know, when he says he's going to do something, he does it. I love that. So what's coming is an absolute change, and I believe it's coming very soon. Uh, do I know exactly when? I, I, I don't think so. But I can tell you this, that... If 
the tabernacle was in fact inside of the cave at Qumran. They could they could pull that tabernacle out, and they could begin worshiping again. again. They, we could start because in the, in the millennial kingdom, we're going to be doing without a doubt the feast of tabernacles because Zechariah says that if we don't do the feast of tabernacles every year, our water is going to be turned off. God will stop it from raining. And and Cass said something the other day when we were talking. He said something, and I would like for you to restate it, if you would, Cass, to the to the people here, that uh, the water that Israel is being flooded, and you related it to something I, which I thought was really, really interesting. Well, Would thank you. you. That? Sure, Jim Barfield. You know, the Bible talks about that which is first natural, and after that, that which is spiritual. So oftentimes you see... Uh, uh, natural uh, applications or implications going on at the same time there are spiritual applications or implications as well as you we're we're, we're there's a there's a a pregnancy in in process the the uh the woman with the 12 stars in the book of revelation she's with child and about ready to bring forth and you can look at that a number of different ways but one of the ways to look at it is israel is impregnated and ready to bring forth um, the messiah and what happens when a woman uh is about ready to give uh you know the labor pains and what's the there's a lot of false labor going on but what's the real indicator of the the birth is just about ready to happen it is when your water breaks <laughs> and i've been looking at the news in israel <clears throat> record water uh rainfall and uh, even flooding in some ways so you could say right now in israel the water is about ready to break and what that connotes in the natural is uh, flooding, of course, and things like that. But what it connotes in the spiritual is the the w- pregnant woman is about ready to bring forth that child. And, you know, we're looking for the uh, the man-child, if you will. We're looking for Messiah to come. And the water is about ready to break, connoting a near delivery, the near introduction to the Son of God. Go ahead, Jim. And that's exactly where we're headed. We're talking about a birth. We're talking uh, about a wedding. We're talking about a bride and a groom. And all these things uh, we've talked about today, uh, about especially the bride. You know, the the dowry for the bride is sitting there. If, in fact, I'm correct, it's sitting in the wilderness, in the very area where God said he would speak to us tenderly and, (laughs) and meet with us there. What perfect place for it to be. So our relationship with Judah is incredibly important because there are prophecies that I don't have time to go into today, but there are prophecies because we got to bring the two sticks back together again, as Ezekiel says. we got to bring them back together in the hand of God, Judah and Ephraim working together, and Ephraim is represented by the ten lost tribes. Come on. And I'm telling you, we are we are regathering the tribes as we speak. People out in this audience right now, I know, are sitting there listening, going, "Oh my goodness, this resonates with my soul. This resonates with my spirit." That that, that we the the feasts of God are coming alive again, and and all the things biblically are coming alive again. This is not a coincidence. This is biblical prophecy happening before our eyes, and we are in that time. And I encourage you, embrace it, because it's God's Word. 
God's word, if you listen to him, you can't go wrong. Don't listen to preachers. Don't listen to me. Listen to what God's word is telling you and, and do what God's word says. It, that, that is the most blessed thing you could possibly do is, is read and understand him. Because in, in the book of the Revelation, it talks about his name. People talk about his name. Is it, you know, how do you pronounce his name? His name is an unpronounceable name. It says it in the Dead Sea Scrolls, and it says it in the book of the Revelation that the that Scripture is His name. When you when you get Scripture in your heart, you are writing His name upon your heart. And if if Yeshua was the Word made flesh, like it says in John one one, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then He, when you write Scripture on your heart, you have you have taken Him into your heart. And you've written it on your heart. And whenever a person dies, what do you grab? You don't grab your head. You clutch your chest and you hold your heart because that's where the pain is at. That's where your love is at. That's where love resides is the memory and understanding because your heart has cells just like the brain. And it has a memory. So listen to that and know that God is coming. He's coming back and he's going to make a big change and we're all going to be corrected. Oh I will stand corrected. will stand corrected. We are all, and we're going to be so happy when the correction comes. Yes. Because he, once he loves, he does what? He corrects. He corrects. Yes. And we, he loves us. And I love him. And uh, am I a perfect man? Not even close. Well, that you know, that's a really encouragement to everybody else. We're gonna have to end the show, but Jim Barfield, <laughs> I knew I knew this was gonna be a great show, and uh, God did not uh, did not deny that. So, my listening friend, our, our topic is really not fully excavated, but it's in progress right now. There's so much more that's beneath the surface. I want to thank people like Jim Barfield for having the willingness to uncover and discover these things. And my friends, we're, we're out of time right now. But Jim, thank you so much for visiting with me for this these two hours from 5 to 7 p.m. And there's uh, more to come, but there's also more to come uh, as we dig into the excavation of Scripture. But my friend, uh, we can excavate the land and the scripture because God wants to excavate our hearts and lives as well. So big things coming and my friend, you're a big part of that. Jim Barfield, thank you for joining us on this show and my listening friend, God bless you and see you next week on Come Together San Diego. See you later. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, sir. Thanks for joining Chaz Taylor and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise.